This is the City Place Church Podcast. Here at City Place, we build dreams, ignite faith, and establish leaders that win the lost for God's kingdom. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are empowered by the message. Hey, City Place Church, are you ready to dig in God's word? I am ready. Do you have your notes? Not a trick question. I hope you've got them. Cityplacechurch.com backslash notes. Let's get ready to dig into God's word. Listen, if this is your very first time, we have a thing here at church. And just because we're an online church today doesn't mean we're not in church. You are the church. So I'm expecting a little talk back. If this is your first time, welcome to the family. Now, I know that you might be a little disappointed this morning that you're not hearing from Pastor Damon. So on behalf of my husband, Pastor Damon Moore and myself, we are so excited to join with you today. Pastor Damon will be back with us next week, locked and loaded, ready for the word. Now, I'm going to be building today on something that Pastor has been starting, and that is a series called Run Through the Bible. Have you been enjoying your time of digging into God's word, getting back to some basics, understanding the awesomeness and the depth and the sovereignty of God? I have been loving stripping away all of the things and going back to what matters to God, his word, the purity of his word. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, pastor taught us a technique as we study the word of God. It's called soap. So quick pop quiz. Are you ready? You're going to get it anyway. Quick pop quiz. What does soap stand for? The acronym soap, S-O-A-P. Pastor talked about it a couple of weeks ago and it helps us get into God's word, study his word, marinate on his word. But what does it mean? So S stands for scripture. What does O stand for? O stands for observation. So when we're studying the scripture and reading it, we want to pull out what we're observing. A stands for application. And we're going to take a park in application today. We're going to sit up in that and digest that just a little bit. And then the P stands for prayer. That's how we take the scripture and allow it to come alive. Now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be actually diving into prayer just a little bit more because we're going into 21 days of prayer. And I'm excited because exactly what we're doing now is going to tee us up for where we're headed. So tuck that away in the back of your mind that that is coming. Now, when we talk about observation, we're studying the scriptures, we're looking at what God has to say. There's a couple of questions that you might ask yourself when we're thinking about observation. So again, we said O stands for observation in the soap. But when we're reading a passage, sometimes people will say to me, Pastor Ty, I just, I don't know that I totally understand the word of God. It seems confusing. It, I don't know if I understand all the things. Like you understand the things and you can preach a whole sermon, but I don't know what it means. And now here's some questions I ask myself when I'm reading the word of God. First of all, I like to use all five of my senses. I like to sit it and say, let me imagine myself in this passage. What do I hear? What do I see? What might people be feeling? Can I touch around and, and bring these things to life? I ask myself questions like, who's writing this? And to whom are they writing it? Why are they writing it? What's the physical location? What's the setting, the city? What does that city mean? What's the history or anything that's particularly culturally relevant? Is that popping up in the scripture? Who's present? And my favorite question, who's not? Who are all the players right here in this passage and what emotions are coming to life? I encourage you as you're starting to read scripture not to read it as a passive observer. We don't read this book as a history book. We read it 
as something that is alive. Pastor has declared to us that the word is truth. It is alive. It is intended to be uh, applied to our lives today. As I kind of gave you the precursor for, I want to spend some time in application in that part of soap. And today we're going to do a couple techniques as we unpack what it's like to actually pull out scripture and to ask ourselves the important question, what does that mean to me? What does this mean to me? And in order for God's word to have meaning for us, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. So I wrote you a few more questions that help me make sense of God's word. So I've read the scripture, I've observed this scripture, and now it's time to apply what it means to my life and yours. You can ask yourself questions like, well, what, did, what are the things in this passage represent? Remember, we serve a God that speaks a lot in symbols uh, and not necessarily black and white language. So instead of saying things like, you know, this, this, this table, you know, and the book, we, it's the things that represent the things in our lives. So we might ask ourselves, so what does this represent? What did it represent then in the scripture? And what does this represent to me now? What are the meanings of the people, the names, the locations? Actually looking it up to see what's the foundation and the root of that word and what does that mean? Maybe it takes on a different meaning or connotation once we understand uh, some of those definitions. What's the primary point of the message? We get the privilege when we're reading scripture to understand not only what's happening in the moment, but what's happening in the end. Meaning if somebody's making a bad decision, we don't necessarily know that when we're making a bad decision, like we're walking it out, hoping that things are right, but we don't know. A lot of times, let's be honest, we don't know. We don't know if what we're doing is good, bad, or ugly. We don't know if it pleases God or displeases God. We don't know if it's right or wrong. We don't know. We don't know if we would have done something different, made a different decision, if that was the right thing or the wrong thing. And neither do the people that we are reading about in scripture. They didn't know. But we get the afforded privilege to know now, reading it, whether that was a good decision, a bad decision, a boneheaded uh, decision, whether God was happy with them and pleased with their choices, or whether he was totally angered and ticked off, right? So we get the afforded ability to be able to read things. And so because of that, we ask ourselves, did they succeed or fail? Like, was God happy or sad? And what do I understand and pull out from their behaviors? There are some more questions that I'll have for you uh, there on your screen and you can begin to, uh, and in your notes, and you can ask yourself some of these questions as we begin to apply God's word. So I want to do a little, uh, not a test, but an activity with you today as we're going to go into God's word. We're going to be parking ourselves in Mark chapter 4. And so I'm giving you some advance notice so you can whip out your tools, whip out your Bible, preferably our paper Bibles. We've been talking about bringing your real Bible, online church, bringing your real Bible to church. So go ahead and grab it. We'll wait for you. We're going to Mark chapter 4. Uh, and I'm going to tee this setting up. I'm going to set the stage. But before we do, because for some of you, this is going to be a familiar passage that we're getting ready to read, I have a question for you. I was like many of the thousands of people that started a COVID garden. Did anybody else see that? COVID gardens, come on, fess up. I not only had a COVID garden, I also had an organic uh, COVID worm bin. And people are like, what? I had a worm bin, y'all. I say had in past tense because those worms are long gone. They are no longer with us, God rest their soul. But I had a COVID garden. And here's what I realized that God was beginning to speak to me through not only the, um, the opportunity to be refreshed as I was tending the garden, but man, how things, objects, plants survive. 
And so today we're going to be diving into Mark chapter 4. Come on, join with me. Go grab that Bible beginning in verse 1. I will read it for you all together. And it says, And again he began to teach by the sea. This is Jesus that we're talking about. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in, in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened that as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, somebody say good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he had said to them, he who has an ear, let him hear. We see in this passage of scripture that Jesus is talking not just to his disciples, not just to those whom he's uh, having a great relationship with, but to the multitudes. He's talking to a ton of people. And, and what Jesus is doing in this moment is so unconventional. We have to remember in biblical days, only the word of God was only taught in the synagogues. Uh, and, and, and to the point, people came to the synagogues, they prepared, it was traditional. You rolled out scrolls, you read, only men were included. And so Jesus was doing absolutely nothing of the sort. He was an absolute rebel. He went to all the common people. He did the uncommon things. He stayed in a boat, not a temple, not the synagogue, not the fancy places where God was supposed to dwell. He decided to go to where people were, which was on a seashore. But of course, there was too many of them. So he had to pull himself back on a boat. And he begins to tell the people this parable. Now, it, it's important for us to understand because a lot of times we'll say, well, why in the world? It was hard enough to understand that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah, that he is the man, right? That he is here present dwelling among his people. It's hard enough for them to not know in the moment, like we talked about earlier, the right decisions to make. But then he talks in parables. He talks in ways that people can't even understand what he's really saying. The word parable in Greek means to set aside. It literally means throwing alongside. And God is giving us this representation that he is throwing along spiritual truths right alongside our natural daily activities. He's actually trying to take something to a very agricultural society, making them understand what the kingdom of God is like in terminology that they will understand. You see, never in scripture more do we see the example of how God deeply cares about spiritual and natural connections, the things of our spirit and the things that we understand with our physical bodies. He understands that the spirit and natural have an inevitable connection that cannot be broken. You see, parables give us the opportunity and dare I say the invitation to dig deeper and to find truth tucked in the middle of something else. It's like in our spiritual ears, God is saying, sons, daughters, go look again. Because you and I now know that this passage is not actually about seeds. It's not actually about thorns. It's not actually about birds. But God is actually trying 
to speak to us. And we're going to use the tools of application to figure out exactly what that is together today. We serve a God of symbols, ones who speaks to us in our dreams, in vivid imagery. He, he shows us glimpses and images. God doesn't always come out with, thus saith the Lord. Sometimes he comes out with examples that we have to listen and tune up our ears in order to see what he is saying. Jeremiah 29, 13 says it like this. I'm sure this is familiar to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. I am mad at God that he made it a little hard to find the things inside the things. I don't know about you, but I don't put my secrets all out in the street. I don't put my closest things out just for the taking. I don't blast it on Facebook. I make sure that the people that are closest to me understand the real me and God is doing the same thing here. So in this verse in Mark chapter four, let's break this down together. Let's see if we can do a little group participation today, a little uh, a quiz, if you will, on the spot. And I want you to tell me if you can identify what you think the things in this passage of scripture represent. Again, we sort of serve a God of symbols. And so if we think about this context and spoiler alert, I don't want you to reread or to read too fast, but in a couple of verses, Jesus breaks down the parable. So even when we're confused, he's like, I got a way for you. Okay, it's all good. I'm gonna tell you what these things mean. So I want you to put down in the chat what you think they mean without cheating and looking ahead. First, we have the farmer or the sower, depending upon what version you're reading. Uh, today, we talked about the sower. In some versions, it says the farmer goes and sows seed. Who does that represent? Well, the farmer is the person who takes intention, who takes the thing that they care about that needs to germinate, that needs to find a home. And to, he's looking, he or she is looking for good ground to put it in and so this story categorically this is easy the farmer or the sower represents God or Jesus the parable of the sower so then that leads us to ask who or what is the seed well, later on in the chapter we find out that Jesus says very clearly that the seed represents the word of God did you get that right did you put it in the chat the seed is what we receive from the farmer or the sower that we now know is God. It's the word of God that comes inside of us. Some versions say the seed is people to which the word of God is deposited. And so essentially the seed is the area, the place that the word of God is allowed to germinate. The Bible tells us that the word of God lives inside of us, that, that the Christ, that Jesus comes and lives inside of us. And we know, according to John 1, that the word is God and the God, and that Jesus is the word. And therefore, in this parable, we know we're just tying the pieces together, that the sower is God and the seed is the word. What about the thorns? The Bible says that the, the seed goes and it goes on multiple different kinds of ground. But in one instance, there are thorns. Let's read it together. And it says uh, the seed, verse seven, fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Now, this one is tricky. And Jesus breaks this down in the verses following. And he says this, it's the worries of life. It's the cares of life. It's the adversity. It's our fears 
And in some cases, watch this, mind-blowing, it's also our own desires. We're going to break that down in just a second. The, the thorns represent the things that would come in and try to steal the Word of God from our hearts, from our lives that were sown from God. And then lastly, we need to unpack the soil. So what is the soil? Because there's different kinds of ground. There's the hard ground, the thorny ground, the, the all kinds of grounds that we see. And so what is that? That's the environment that's needed for that seed to grow. The sower sows the seed, which is the word of God, to be planted in our hearts, which is the soil or the environment, which has potential to bear fruit. All right, so let's get into the application. Let's pack, unpack the four different kinds of ground that we find because one of the questions I ask is what questions do I have? What stands out to me? Well, what stands out to me is these very distinct four different kinds of ground that we see in the scripture. And this is exactly what you would be doing in your quiet time, by the way, as you're saying, God, what does this mean? And then what does this mean to me? right? The first kind of ground that we see is the wayside. Again, depending upon your translation, you could see something that says hard ground or wayside, and it says that the sower comes to sow the seed, but some seed falls by the wayside. The sower is not trying to throw the seed by the wayside. The sower doesn't intend to put seed across the wayside, but some seed falls over to the wayside. What is the wayside? The wayside represents what? Let's keep digging. Think about it. Well, wayside is hard ground. If I were to think about uh, going on a hike, like making a trail through the wilderness, it would be the kind of ground where you're like, oh, there's complete wilderness, but there are a group of people who have clearly made a path right through this direction. It's it's brushed over, it's made away, it's hardened ground, right? It's, it's padded down, it's not loose gravel. This is the wayside. And so what does this represent in our lives? Think about it. It doesn't take long for us to think through the opportunities, the times where maybe you or I have experienced uh, seasons of our lives or for other people to be sure where our heart has been hard. The wayside represents ground that is trampled on, beat down. It's hard. It is, it, there's nothing to it. There's no dust to dig up. It's padded down and as though it has already um, made its decision. Do you know anybody like this? Or maybe in the privacy of your home or your space, you would say, yeah, Pastor Ty, there's times where I know that I want what I want and I am who I am and I, get, um, I dig my heels in a little bit and there's not a lot of room for God to move. What happens when you show up on a Sunday morning and you have your mind made up about a, a topic or an issue or something in the word that you believe or don't believe or that you, you, you have an opinion about? And God finds us in places sometimes where our heart, the soil of our heart is trampled on. Listen, some of us don't have hard hearts just because we feel like having an attitude. Some of us have hard hearts because life has been tough. And I'm telling you this morning that God's not beating you up because your life has been tough. He's not saying, get over it. But he is saying, you are responsible for the path that is there made in that wilderness. In this example, we see that Jesus says that there's birds that come and eat the seed. Now, I think this is so interesting because birds eat seeds. It's part of their food source. 
Birds eat a lot of other stuff like worms and crazy stuff like that, but they also eat seeds. Like that's what they're supposed to do. The birds are not of order, but it's important that we understand in this passage, birds aren't birds. So who represents or what represents the thing that comes to snatch the seed or the word of God in your heart and in mine? What is that? Well, that's easy. The enemy ain't nothing but a snatcher. He comes in, the Bible says immediately that the prey, the birds devour the seeds that, left, that is left by the wayside. But here's what we have to unpack. That seed just left out in the open on that hard ground has nothing to attach to. How many times have you come to a church service and, and it's like you're watching everyone. You're watching everything. In the moment of worship, it's hard for you to enter in and people are entering in, but you, for whatever reason, cannot seem to come to the place of entering into God. In that moment, we go by the wayside and we have to decide whether we are going to be the ground that is hard, that is trampled on, that is beat down, or whether we are going to have the kind of heart condition where the ground is plowed. Do you know what happens when you plow? You take metal instruments, knives, like these little circular things, and they go into the ground and they do something called tilling it up. It takes the bottom of the earth and brings it to the top of the earth and it circulates it. And in this event, we plow. The Bible says this in Jeremiah. I love it. This is for you today. It says, this is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up the unplowed ground and do not sow among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. See, even God knew this analogy. We found it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus is saying, break it up. I get it. It's hard. There's lots of reasons for you to come in skeptical and maybe even with your arms crossed going, I don't know if I want to get hurt again in a church. I don't know, God. But what, what happens in this moment, what happens in this ground is that we don't give God anything to work with. We don't give the word of God, the seed of God, anything to attach to. And the Bible says that the birds come, the prey comes. In this case, representing the enemy comes and is able to steal the word of God. The second example that we see in scripture, we can keep reading. Hopefully you put this in the chat. What is the second kind of ground? It's stony ground. Some versions say rocky ground. In this instance, the Bible says that plants spring up quickly, but they don't have a root system. They don't have any depth to them. And when this happens, the sun comes out and scorches the plant. And because it has nothing to work with, it withers away and dies. Oh, this is a good one because you and I have been here. Can we get real with one another today? There's times where we want to be so reactive. Yes, God. And out of emotion, the tears flow. But when we walk out, we go back to the same life. And there's no root system because the word of God has come. And for a moment we were moved, but there's no life change because there's no roots. Roots require tender 
attending, uh, 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 rather. They, they require attention. They require water. They require the ability and the environment, the soil to grow. So when it's on stony ground, roots don't take attached to no rocks. You know when you're rooted because you cannot be shaken. You know when you're rooted because you don't love God one day and kind of uh, skeptical of him the next. You know when you're rooted because you can spot false doctrine and you don't have to worry about YouTube and what you might see, any kind of theology or anybody's false opinions. You also know that you're rooted when it's not just about your quick growth. Let's be the kind of people that stop praying the prayers that say, God, do it for me and do it for me tomorrow. How about God, do it for me and do it for me for real. Our root system must match the ground that we were on. And I'm here to tell you that the second kind of ground, the rocky ground, the stony ground is no place for your roots. The third kind of ground that we see in this passage is thorny ground, thorny ground. Now, if I have any of the three that I dislike, it is probably this one the most. Remember, I told you I had a COVID garden and one of the things that happened, like so many of you, is when life sped up and things got back to normal, my poor little garden, my poor little garden. I already told you what happened to my worms. They are no longer with us. Well, let me just tell you that it became untherapeutic for me to go and water my plants. It became uh, an, an obnoxious thing. Hot, it's hot outside. I don't, I don't really want to pull stuff. And before you know it, I would go out to the little container garden that we had right along the side of our house. And the roots, or, or uh, the, the plants, were growing just as tall as the weeds. It was like the weeds were feeding off of the plants and they were just chilling. They were growing together like they were twins. The problem in circumstances like this is if you don't tend those weeds and if you don't tend to it often, weeds pop up out of nowhere. The same fertilizer that fertilizes your plants, it makes the perfect environment to put things that don't belong there. This scenario, represents soil. This is your life and mine. Remember, soil is the environment that allows the word of God to take root. This scenario represents soil that is too fertile. Oh, I know in church, it, we're supposed to be nothing but abundant. We're supposed to have nothing but openness and blessing and awesomeness and, and cherries on top, right? But this is the kind of scenario where things are too fertile. You have too many choices. You've got worries in abundance. You've got desires and goals. And what preacher is here to tell you that goals are bad? But you've got so many options that Jesus is a option, not the option. You don't have to amen me too loud on that one because I can amen myself. Sometimes it is important for us to say, Jesus, you and you alone. I don't need 10 hobbies. I need you to be my main hobby. In fact, if all of these hobbies are taking time away from you, I need to recheck my soil. It's too fertile. And the Bible says in this, in this particular passage, this dangerous passage, that the seed grows, it grows. 
among the thorns. It's chilling, it's growing, it's fertilizing, it's got roots, it's got leaves, it's looking good. What's the problem? The problem is that it grows to a point and then, and then, because there's always an and then, then the thorns choke the crop. <laughs> and this scenario makes the word unfruitful. The thorns choke the crop. Let me break it down for a minute. The thorns, we said it earlier, what does it represent? The worries, the, the adversity, the, the things that come against God that are there to snatch what God has put inside your heart and mine. The thorns come, the worries come, the problems come, the issues come, the marital problems come, your kids going crazy, it comes. The person on your job talking about you, it comes and it steals the fruit or the crop, which means your plant grows, it has sun, it's green, it has roots, it's just about to produce something that could outlast you and it gets snatched. We did all that work. God has been doing all that work in us. The word of God has been moving. There's too many options. There's too many things. There's so uh, many moments where we haven't pulled out roots when they were just so small that now they've taken over and the roots have made their home and the problems have become our constant partners and the choices are abundant. And so if today God works for me, but if tomorrow he doesn't, that's okay. Or we say things like this, I'm gonna say a nasty little phrase. We take God's word under advisement and not for the truth that it is. poke around a little bit because I hear sometimes when we are in debates or intense fellowship with people who would try to say that the word of God is not a foundational truth and people are hearing perspectives of what the word of God says and how the word of God uh, stands honestly by itself from any other God, from any other religion, how it's uh, proven in so many ways that this entire book points to Jesus and they say things like, I'll take that under consideration. Okay, let's take it out of that context. How about the times where God has been dealing with you on something? When to apologize, how to live your life in purity and holiness, how to remove sin out of your life, how to lean in, how to faithfully give or serve at your local church, how to participate in the family of God, how to speak up for what God is asking you to do, even though it's unpopular, and you say something like, I'll think about it. I take it under advisement. What about the times when God's word is not intended to advise us, but to stand as the truth? We have to be diligent about our environment. We have to be obsessive about the way that we're checking the soil. We have to be obnoxious, if you will, about making sure that our ground is not thorny, that it's not over fertilized, over fertile, and giving us all kinds and manner of options. But all is not lost because the fourth kind of ground he, Jesus saves for the last. And he says, oh, but there's also a good soil option. You've got so many options. 
to be distracted. You've got so many possibilities. In fact, if we're going to be particular, three out of four chances you have to get this wrong, but there is an option and I present it to you. It says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and it produced a crop. I love this. God ends in a way that we can actually strive to. He ends in something so obvious for application to our life. He says, there's good soil. It's going to spring up if it's good. It's going to increase. It's going to produce and it's going to multiply. I like to put it like this. This is in your notes. It's going to spring up so you get the opportunity to hear and respond. God's word is going to be here. It's going to be here every time we meet together, every time it comes forth. It's going to spring up. The word of God is going forth and therefore we get the opportunity to hear and respond. Now we want the word of God to increase. So how do we do that? We accept it and we apply it in our life. We accept it. God, that's not for somebody else. It's for me. If that's the word that came forth, it's straight from heaven. I accept it. I receive it. I'm not resisting it. I'm not trying to debate it. I'm not trying to find a loophole for it. I accept it and I want to apply the word of God in my life. And then it says in good soil, in good environments, your heart and mine, that the word of God is going to produce. It's going to not just come up with its green leaves and its fancy smelling aromas. It's going to bear fruit. It's going to flower. It's going to have crop. What does this mean? Our lives, as we dine and commune with Christ, as we get closer to him, God is saying this, give me something to show for it. We have the ability to, to let people know that we are different. And I'll say it like this. If you are the same person as you were pre-Christ and nobody can tell that you've encountered Christ, you might need to check your fruit. Tells us that his word, when the seed is in a fertile environment with good soil, that there is produce. There is something there that outlives you. What happens with fruit? What happens with flowers? What happens with crop? Crops bear seed, fruit bears seed, and that seed creates more fruit. It outlives us and it provides the proof necessary. And then lastly, it says that in good soil with good fruit, it's going to multiply. Multiplication is God's math. He doesn't even, he doesn't even add, he just multiplies. He does the exponential. He says, you think this is just about you and I'm trying to create a legacy for your entire generational line. What I start, I breathe on, can be passed on until I return. It's gonna outlive you. The word of God, your faithfulness by leaning in every Sunday morning, being as faithful as you are, don't you get it twisted. Don't you let the enemy snatch that seed because I'm doing something that is outliving you. You see the difference in all four of those scenarios? It's not in the seed, it's in the soil. In those scenarios, there's hard ground, there's rocky ground, there's thorny ground, and there's good ground. And the only thing different is the ground. We said earlier in the application that the ground represents your heart and mine. 
the environment where the seed of God can take root. A lot of times we waste our energy critiquing the sower. And to be honest, if I could rewrite and make a suggestion for the scriptures, I would say not the parable of the sower. You meant the parable of the soil. See, the soil is our choice. We are not called to know the seed. We said the seed is the word of God. As much as I love God's word, I treasure his word. I know that in every part of the world, people don't even have access to his word the way that we have access to his word. But we're not called to know his word. We're not called to analyze the word. We're not called to talk about the seed. We're not even called to worship the seed. He never asks us to do that. But what he does ask us to do with the seed, the word of God, is found right here in Mark chapter 4. Other seed fell on good soil, and it came up, it grew, produced a crop. You and I, we are called to sow it, to grow it, to show it. And I don't have another word that rhymes, so we're going to multiply it. We're called to sow it, grow it, show it, and multiply. That is our assignment. That is what God is asking us to do with his word. And as we've gone through this series of running through the Bible, I pray that you haven't taken this under advisement, that you haven't decided to critique whether the theology components you agree with or not, because the infallible, unmistakable truth in God's word is not up for our debate. We are called to take the word of God and not just even sit in and digest it and sit in our houses and have moments with God and cry and all of those are amazing and, and they draw us closer to him. But if it stops there, what are we doing? We're called to sow it, to grow it, to show it and to multiply it. So I wanna ask you today, what pieces of your life require ground that needs to be tilled up? Where has the seed fallen? What parts of your life, your heart and mine, are thorny or rocky? What parts are fertile? What parts are too fertile? What, God, what is God asking you to do with this word today? Remember, I told you in the beginning we would go through together the questions of application. And so I leave you with those questions today. And before you move from your spot that you're tuning into today, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to do something different, to get unrushed for just a minute. Unless you're driving, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a couple questions as you reread this scripture. And the lesson is really simple. It's the biggest application question there is. What are the lessons for me today? The last question I ask myself is, in what way am I going to meditate on this word and let it take root? In what way am I going to actually let it adjust my actions and my thoughts? In what way am I going to respond to the word of God because he paid an, an irreplaceable price to give me his word? And in what way will I respond to it? So before you leave today, before you leave your spot, before you get off running, doing all the things and answer all of the emails and scroll through your social. 
I ask you to ask yourself how you'll respond and apply the Word of God today. If you're up for the challenge, can you say amen? I can't see you and I can't hear you. So can you say amen? Just a little bit louder, leaning all the way in. God, do something in us. We know you're going to keep up your end of the bargain. So let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. In Jesus' name. Now listen, we've been talking over these couple of weeks as we've run through the Bible, run through the foundations of our faith, run through the infallible nature of the word of God. But perhaps you're just catching us towards the tail end. I want to encourage you to head back to the last couple of, of series that Pastor Damon has been preaching so you can begin to understand some of the foundational components of our faith. But maybe you're catching us here for the very first time and you would say, Pastor Ty, I am attaching myself. I am ready to respond in action to what you're saying. And for so many of us, response is not just saying yes to Jesus, it's making life changes. It's going back and saying, these pieces of my environment no longer serve me. These pieces in my environment are, are actually causing weeds to grow and I need to make some changes. But maybe you're there this morning and you would say, Pastor Ty, all of that is true, but I know if you ask me right now that I need, need to make a recommitment or a commitment for the very first time to Jesus. I know Pastor Ty about Jesus, but he's not been my Jesus. And in order for his word to take root in your life, he has to be the main thing. You see, the word of God comes to us, but like parables, sometimes we can't understand it. And as you and I lean into God and say yes to him, God, come into my life, but don't just come in and magically take over. I'm leaning into you the same way you're leaning into me. But if you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, friend, today's your day. I believe that you are not here on accident. You did not find this broadcast on accident. There's too many to choose from. There's too many places you could be right now. This was your moment God intended you and I to meet right here. So here we are. The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died for us, that he rose again, if we make a simple confession with our mouths and believe in our heart that we're saved. Now it's not a foolproof process. It doesn't mean that our lives are perfect after it. It means that just in that moment, in that sweet moment that Jesus comes and says, if you're making room for me, then I'm ready. I'm ready to help you understand my word and grow in my word and remove some of the distractions and the thorns and plow up some ground that's been hard for way too long. So if you're ready this morning, right where you are, why should we wait? I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna ask you to pray it right after me, right where you're standing or right where you're sitting and watching from today. Repeat it loud, because God's listening. Say, Father God, I declare today that you're my God. I say today that you have center stage. So I'm asking you to remove anything in my life that you don't want. I'm declaring with my mouth that you died for me, that you rose again. You are my God and I'm your child. 
Thank you for accepting me just as I am in Jesus' name. I have to tell you, all of heaven is celebrating with you today. Whether you prayed that for the first time or whether you did it and you're coming back home, heaven is celebrating and I am too. I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you. I wanna pray for you. Listen, if you will send us a message, I have an entire team that will be celebrating and exciting and reaching out to help support you as we are able. Go to cityplacechurch.com and there you're gonna find a connection card. I wanna know about the decision that you made. I know you might wanna shout it from the rooftops, but listen, your new sister wants to know what you did and I wanna be the first to say I'm so proud of you. God is too. Listen, church, give a little whoop whoop to all the people who said yes to Jesus or yes, Jesus, I'm coming back home. We are so excited to be your family members. The last way that we honor the Lord every time we gather is through our giving. Now, sometimes we get a little bit nervous during times like this, or we think, wait, I'm just in the online church. I'm, I, I'm not a part of the family of God, my friend. You certainly are a part of the family of God, an incredible one at that. Our generosity is one church family, one heartbeat, our online church, our in-person church. We serve together as one family, and you are so incredibly generous, City Place. In fact, your generosity allows this to come to you virtually. Your generosity allows us to make an influence to the city of Orlando. We are in the middle of so many outreach projects that I don't even have time to tell you about today, but let me tell you, your generosity is being felt. The hands and feet of Jesus are being extended. Your generosity is what God asks us to do as his kiddos, where we give back to him. We say it like this, we give back to him what already belongs to him. So I just wanna encourage you as you're giving today, listen, it's seed going in good ground and that's the house of God. You can give online at City Place Church backslash give cityplacechurch.com backslash give don't forget the dot com lord have mercy i'll have you all over the internet cityplacechurch.com backslash give and you'll be able to do that digitally and also you can do that via text on the screen well city place church i love you man i love you and i miss you when i don't get the opportunity to see you if you're in the orlando area we invite you to come with us, worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in Southeast Orlando. All the directions will be there online as well. I invite you, and when you do, make sure you say, Pastor Ty, I saw online service, and I'm here, so that I can give you a little, like, family high five. All right, I'll be looking for you. All right, City Place Church, I love you so much. Y'all have a great week. We will see you soon. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay connected by subscribing to the City Place Church podcast, following us on Instagram, checking us out on Facebook, or by visiting our website, www.cityplacechurch.com.